Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Talkin' with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And today we sit down with professional rock and roll drummer Juan Calixto, a.k.a. J. Cali Drums. Yeah, we got into everything that he's been working on. He's a hired gun, and we get into everything he's been a part of and what that means. We get into his passion projects, how he's gotten to where he was to L.A. and the connections he's made, and he shares so much information, and I learned so much. I know I say that every week, but it's still true this week. No, yeah, this it definitely holds true this week. And, and you know, like Juan, we also have a few things we're very passionate about, one of them being our band, The Stash. You guys have been so supportive. We played our new song, Run Into Me, a few weeks back, and just the reaction from our audience on this podcast for, for our music has been incredible. So we want to thank you guys so much for listening to our new song, Run Into Me, and just, just giving our band some love. Yeah, and if you want to continue that love, we'd really appreciate it. You can follow us on all the social medias at The Stash NY. And for the continued love for the podcast, which we also have socials for at talking podcast everywhere so follow us like us subscribe leave ratings if you can it really helps us out yeah you you guys have been so awesome i I really can't believe we're on episode 16 and and let's just jump right into it we'll be back in a moment with some music by one of the many projects juan is a part of this song is called who do you run to by the bad dreamers back with Jay Calixto, who is actually our first time speaking to a hired gun here on the Talking Podcast. So, uh, Jay, off off the top of the episode, why don't you explain to everyone what a hired gun is for someone who might not be familiar with that? Well, um, a hired gun could could be a, a couple different things. Um, some dudes generally do a lot of more uh, studio work. You know, you can get hired to play on a session um, for other artists. Or um, it could be, uh, you know, backing a bigger artist or just any any gig that you do where you're essentially just hired. You're not really a, a founding member or uh, um, something like that, you know? Yeah, so, so how does one come into that kind of thing? Because, you know, on this show, we talk to people who are in the music industry. But so far, every guest has been someone who's like a permanent part of something. So, like, what what was your desire to become a hired gun, you know? Because, t- t- to my understanding, you're, you're a fairly younger dude, and so wh- why are you not in, in something that you could call your own 100%? Like, what was the thought process there? Um, well, as we get deeper into this interview, um, I'm sure, you know, the story and my background will come up, but uh, I didn't always um, do the hired gun thing. Um, when I moved to Los Angeles, um, I, I kind of just fell into it, honestly. Uh, there's just so many artists out here. I love so many different genres of music. So um, it, for me, it's just kind of fun to, to, to do all these kinds of things without uh, committing myself 100% to one thing. Um, but, I, you know, I still, you know, have a couple acts that I play with that I, I am a member of. So, you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds for me. Okay, so and, and who are some of these artists that you've been playing with and whatnot? Um, so currently I play for um, 
a pop synthwave group called the Bad Dreamers. Um, I play with a hard rock metal band called Worldwide Panic, um, whom I just got off the road with. Um, I play with a group called the Lipsticks. And um, my my band that I, I've been in for, wow, since 2004 um, is another hard rock metal band based out of New York called A Thousand Shades of Cold. Wow. So that's... Uh... Sounds cold. <laughs> that's just a few. Yeah, that's just that's just some. <laughs> wow. You sound like a busy guy. Uh, you know, I mean, it, the music industry is a lot of hurry up and wait. So, you yeah. know, things may be busy for a few months and then you're kind of just like, okay, I'm ready to, to do more. But... You know, you just got to utilize your time. Now, you know, I mean, you yeah. said that even just those two groups, you said one of them is like a synth pop wave and the other one is a metal band. Were you, when you were learning to play the drums, were you learning lots of different styles or did you kind of, you know, you were playing one style and then you kind of liked other ones. And you're like, oh, I could kind of do this. And then you kind of work towards that. How did that, how did you get to be such like a multi-genre drummer? Um, I think it has a lot to do with um, just, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of different music. Like my mom, you know, was never into like hard rock or metal or any of that. I mean, she had her, her eighties band, you know, glam metal phase. But, um, for me, there was just a lot of different music growing up, um, that my mom would listen to. I think that's where I get a lot of my nineties R and B and, and, um, pop, you know, influences, you know, grew up listening to, to a lot of Motown artists. Um, but then as I got into my teens, um, a lot of my friends were into, you know, heavy metal bands and, and punk, you know, so from early teenage uh, hood into my adult life, you know, I was just always around that kind of scene. And uh, at, you know, 13 years old, I, I started playing uh, in bands doing that. And um, at 14, I started uh, or I'm sorry, I didn't start. I joined a band that was forming. Um my singer and I kind of took that and, and ran with it. And that was a band I was in for over a decade. So um, I think moving to LA and branching out has definitely, you know, made me more aware of uh, the different genres I can play and what I could be better at. But yeah, I think it, it, it all happened kind of naturally. There was never a time period where I said, Oh, I need to do just this or just that. You know, I think, my ear allows me to to replicate what I want to hear. So, you know, jumping into a different genre band is kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of like a natural thing for me. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's it, it certainly. I've looked up a few live videos uh, from from some of your different projects, and you clearly know how to fit the song. Like whatever the vibe of the of the artist that you're performing for, you you certainly don't step on any toes. If anything, you sort of accent it. Now, being sort of like a chameleon in a sense, you know, jumping from style to style, is, is that something you struggled with at first? You know, just, just moving to Los Angeles and getting all these opportunities? Like, like how, how has that been developing this sort of like multi-genre approach to, to your playing? And do you find there's like a crossover between the different styles and, and whatnot? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, I don't really think it's been difficult for me. And I mean that in a humble way. Um, I've always been big on playing for a song. So for me, you know, when I approach any genre, it's always about the music first. I never go into it, you know, trying to show off or show all my chops and, you know, one song. So for me, first and foremost, it's always about the song and being professional, you know, um, dude in that sense. Um, and as far as, uh, you know, doing that kind of stuff, it, it, it just, I don't know, it, it just kind of happens, man. And, and uh, I don't, I don't know, it just, it, it goes, you know? No, totally. I mean, that's, that's something that we see, see our band where we sort of, we're still very much so finding our sound. I mean, we've landed in this mm -hmm. pop, I'd say this pop realm. But we're still trying to sort sure. of carve out our own unique like section of it because obviously that's how you that's how you become something that is isn't just a here a here and then and then gone type of type of thing, and so one sure, thing, man. yeah, and so one thing that I think you know has been tough is because all of our songs they are pop but they're also different and diverse. It's been hard for us to sort of each song it has to be serviced so differently. So it's just interesting to see someone like you who's doing a similar thing, but except you're just creating with multiple different kinds of people. Yeah, plus like when we write every song, obviously you don't write a song usually and then put it out the next day. Like we write it, 
takes time to get it finished and then by the time we put it out we have written a different song and then you're almost like well well it's like i don't even necessarily feel that way anymore but i still want that song to come yeah. out and then you're like well now i found out i feel like i found a new sound that is a different sound than the last one can those sounds even go together <laughs> so yeah it's nice well, i think it's the beautiful thing about creating music is that um it really is a reflection of of what you feel in that present moment you know so you know if you write a song and you're you're taking your time to work on it by the time you're done you know you may not you know feel that uh that way anymore but it, it it's still very true to what you did feel at one point in time that's what why i think music is beautiful and having a catalog or a, you know bodies of work you know records eps whatever it, it's really a beautiful thing because you can look back at that and you know, have an audio format to your, your life and what you were going through at that particular time, man, you know, and I think um, going back to what you said before, you know, as far as bouncing back to different genres, I feel like over my experience over the years, I've been able to kind of find my sound and style of playing. So I find little bits and pieces of that, that translate to like, no matter the genre I'm playing, like some fills I do, or the way I hit, you know, certain accents, that's kind or that's um, become kind of a staple to my sound that kind of works in all those genres. So, Right. And I'm also a drummer myself, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like with drums at least, like I feel like there's, as much as you know, there's jazz drummers, there's rock drummers, whatever, I feel like there's almost not really a genre to drumming just because you're, you know, the main purpose is obviously keeping the beat and keeping the song going. But, you know, I feel like when you're playing the drums, you kind of, uh, you know, you feel it more because you're with you're the rhythm, you're like the backbone. You know, like I feel like it's just it's almost easier, I guess, is the word I would use to like jump into different genres as a drummer, and you can just kind of find your bearings because you're just kind of feeling it. You know, at least I feel like at least if you're really in it, you're feeling it. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely, man, and and yeah, you always got to be into it. You know, I I'm not one of those LA dudes who just jumps into a gig just for the sake of it. You know, for money. You know, I don't. You know, if I'm not feeling the pro certain project, dude, even if it's compensated, I won't do it. You know, that's just how invested I am into, you know, music and the love I have for it, you know, and you have to respect that. So, yeah. And I'm sure clients would appreciate that. Like if they hire a drummer and some dude comes in and he's like, eh, I, don't, I don't care, dude, you're paying me. I'll, I'll play for on the floor. I won't mess up. Like, I don't think people really want that. They want someone who's like, yeah, dude, the song is awesome. And I, I even maybe thought like you could do this little touch right here because then it shows that they care. So I'm sure that people appreciate that. I mean, I would. Sure, absolutely. Now, you know, we're, we're speaking a lot about, about where you are now and sort of navigating this, this life of, of being a hired gun in L.A., and I certainly want to get back to that, but I think some perspective might help, you know. Like, can you, can you take us back to, like, sort of maybe the first moment that you, you heard music and sort of bring us through your, your journey and, and what has brought you to L.A.? You know, you mentioned you move. Where'd you move from? And, and sort of, like, what got you to pick up those drumsticks in the first place? Sure. Um, well, I was born and raised in um, Rochester, New York. Um, that's in Western New York, if you're unfamiliar. Um, and my, my first instrument actually was um, the alto saxophone. Um, but since a very young age, man, I've just always, you know, been moved by music. You know, like I said, I grew up listening to Motown, like Michael Jackson and all those oldies and then, you know, whatever 90s R&B or, you know, dance music my mom was listening to. So, you know, I've always been into music and rhythm, and I picked up alto saxophone partly because uh, my grandparents um, didn't want a drum set in the house. Um, but, you know, a couple of friends of mine had drum sets, and I'd always go there and, like, beg them to play. And, you know, after some persuasion, I convinced my grandparents to let me get a drum set in the house. And uh, I think I was about 10 or 11 years old at that point. And, um, you know, they told me, you know, uh, we'll get you the drums, but you know, don't ask us for anything else. Like this is going to be it if you're, if you're serious. And, uh, you know, ever since that point, I, I kind of just been playing drums and I'm a self-taught dude. So, you know, there was a lot of racket <laughs> at first. Um, and at about the age of 14, um, some friends of mine who were, who were playing in bands, um, that I'd kind of dabbled with them, you know, as a young guy, I was never like the main drummer in that band, but I do like some percussive stuff. Uh, anyway, they were playing a show with another band who just lost their drummer and uh, they're like, yeah, you should go audition for him. So I did. And, um, you know, they liked what I brought to the table and I became that drummer. 
and that band became a thousand shades of cold um that's a band i kind of grew with you know they're uh um later down the road some good friends of mine ended up joining into the project so it was like kind of like a you know family vibe man we were young we were all growing um you know as musicians together um and yeah over a decade later you know we we are still technically a band although some of us live in different parts of the country so um i did that from about 2004 to 2013 and that's when i re relocated to los angeles and um i've been in la ever since and uh you know la is a whole different ball game you know as far as the music uh scene is concerned you know just finding where you fit in um you know, finding projects that are going to be worthwhile for all parties, um, you know, different things like that, man. There's a lot I could say about L.A., but, you know, as far as the timeline, that's kind of a gist of a gist of it right there. And and so so how long being in L.A. did it take you to sort of navigate that move and sort of, you know, set up? Because obviously I think you named what, s five bands, six bands at the top of the show that you're all actively performing with. And, and so how, how long did it take you to sort of get 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 the feel for L.A. and sort of, you know, build this infrastructure that you now have? Um, It took quite some time. I'm not going to lie, man, because, you know, although I had been uh, a decently accomplished accomplished musician in New York, um, when I moved to L.A., I kind of had to to start all over again. And, um, you know, I played with a, a couple of groups when I first moved out here. Um, they kind of, you know, didn't work out, but some of them were cool, you know, and I'm still friends with some of those guys today. But um, there was a couple year period where, you know, I actually became a mailman because I was so frustrated with uh, my career at the time and, and finding what I really wanted to do. Um, and it wasn't until I got super frustrated being a mailman and said, you know, screw this. I'm, I didn't come here for this. Um, I feel like after that point, like a lot of things just started falling into place and, you know, I don't want to call that fate or be all weird like that, but you know, it really was like a point in my life where as soon as I like just let everything go and take that huge leap of faith again, cause you know, moving here in itself was a huge like leap. But, um, as soon as I just surrendered myself to music again, a hundred percent, um, I feel like a lot more opportunities were starting to come my way. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man. It just it kind of happened like that, you know. No, totally. I mean, so so how did you how did you go about navigating LA to get to this place? Were you going out to a lot of bars to network and meet people? Were you showing up to local shows? Like like you know, once you got settled, like what was your what was your approach when you were fed up being a mailman? You know. Um, you know, I would post um drum videos online. Um, I had under other uh, music industry friends out here who would introduced me to, you know, this person or that person and, you know, just, just networking really. Um, I did go out to a lot of shows and try to support as many artists as I can, you know, that were within my friend, friend group or whatnot. Um, I look on Craigslist for gigs, um, you know, sadly enough, or, you know, just Facebook, you know, just using the internet as a tool to, to see what was going on uh, in LA. And, you know, as, I learned more about the scene here and the different uh, niches and pockets in LA where things are happening. There's always a lot of jam nights going on and, you know, different things like that that are free. And, and a lot of the times people that are playing at these uh, kind of uh, little nights uh, are like accomplished, like session dudes who play for like the world's biggest artists. So, you know, just, just slowly networking, man. I can't say that it's happened overnight, but over time, as you learn the city, learn about the scene, you kind of know where things are happening. And, um, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to have a couple jobs in uh, music over here uh, in different sides of the business. So, you know, that kind of helped too, um, as far as networking and, and kind of getting uh, insight of what's going on in the business and, you know, who's who, you know, as far as musicians. Um, so, you know, I'm still navigating L.A., man. But, you know, what I've learned thus far is, you know, has been working, you know. So um, it really is just about being patient and, and just uh, going out there and, and doing what feels right for you. You know, whether it's going to shows, you know, going to see random bands play, um, going to those little jam nights, you know, whatever it is, man. You just, you know, if you want to be seen, you have to 
literally go out there and be seen. No one's going to know who you are if you're not out there, you know, showing face. So, you know. No, totally. That that was actually, you know, that that led me to this thought process. Um, so so you know, me and Andrew, we we all toy we toy around with this idea a lot in our band because we're from New York. We're about an hour and twenty minute ride from New York City. But if you don't live in New York City, like you said, it's it's you have to learn the city. You have to then take the time to navigate those circles. So yes, we can go to New York City to network if we wanted to, but it's not like we can just show up and in that in that day, you know, book a show or something. Because you know that's not how it works. You have to learn the city. You have to be a part of the scene, whatever scene you want to be in. So like like what how, now that you've done the LA move, do you recommend it to someone who you know is is serious about music and is frustrated with their hometown? And if and if you do recommend it, what's the best way to go about it? Since obviously, you know, people are always like, oh, I want to move, but like I want to save up money. And then someone's like, oh, it's never enough money. Like you just got to do it and figure it out. Like, you know, that doesn't seem like a smart way to do it to me. So if it is recommended, what's a good first step? Yeah, because, you know, a big a big majority of our audience is is me and Andrew's peers, our, our musician friends. We're sort of we're all at the same level, you know, and, and we're just trying to take that next step. So I think a lot of people are, are curious, you know, because I think we all talk about moving, but we never pull the trigger on it. Right. Yeah. You know, the whole L.A. move for me um, after a thousand shades of cold kind of like separated from our the second label we were with, we were kind of all frustrated, not really with each other, but just kind of burnt out and frustrated at the situation at the time. So my singer moved to North Carolina and I said, okay, I'm going to move to LA. I think there was maybe a six month gap um, between my decision to move here and me actually doing it. Um, so I sold our touring van at the time cause it was mine. And I begged, you know, uh, a relative of mine to, you know, believe in me a little bit. And she, she did help me out a little bit financially, uh, making this happen. But, um, other than that, beyond financial, uh, standpoint, you really do have to have somewhat of a plan, uh, in LA. And for me, I was fortunate enough to have, um, a family friend that did live out here who kind of, you know, helped me as far as having a place to live and, and stuff like that. Um, but, but out here, it took me a while to find a job, you know, so that was kind of, um, a crazy thing to have to deal with, but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, LA is a great place to be. It really does, um, bring you into the center of where, um, a lot of things are happening in LA, um, as far as, you know, the musicians that are playing for all the big artists, other hired gun kind of musicians, um, and just all that kind of stuff in general, like all the, all the, the labels and, and stuff like that, all the like private events, you know, you can go on forever, but it really just is one of the meccas for, for music and entertainment. So to be able to go out and, and be a part of these things firsthand, it really does help. Um, but that's not to say that what can be done in LA can't be done elsewhere. You know, with the power of social media these days, man, like you really could, you know, build and develop a brand, you know, virtually from anywhere these days. Um, you know, so that's, you know, don't think that you have to be in L.A. to to, to make moves. But, you know, if you physically want to be where the action is and yeah, you know, come out to L.A., have a plan. Um, if you can, you know, try to work out some employment before you get here. Um, and definitely bring some some floater cash, you know, to get you by in case things don't work out the way you, you want them to. Um, and really just be prepared for anything out here, man. It's it's a uh, it's it's a big market, but a lot of people know each other out here. So it makes it feel very small at the same time. So, yeah, if you're thinking of moving, I would just say formulate a plan. Make sure you have enough saved up to make the move. Or if you're super bold, come out here and, and make it work as you go. But uh, I don't really advise that because it's very expensive out here. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Tom Petty documentary. I don't know if you've ever seen that or how familiar you are with him, but uh, they all sort of just drove from Florida to L.A. Just They went one day. They're just like, yep, we're going. And we're going to get a record contract, and they didn't come home until they did. Yeah, so be, maybe don't do it that way. He got very yeah, lucky. That was also <laughs> yeah. what, like 30, 30 years ago or something. Yeah, yeah, way different times when you could actually walk way into an office. Times. Yeah, and you can afford to probably live out here at that time too. You know. Yeah, I think in the Eagles doc they said something about how uh, Jackson Brown lived in uh, like a one bedroom, one room apartment below Glen Fry for like ninety dollars a month. Yeah, definitely different. 
<laughs> that is probably like the coolest thing I've ever heard, even though obviously it was years ago and inflation is a thing, but still, oh man. Yeah, no, but I mean, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you're right. If you plan ahead, you are the proof of someone that can thrive if, if it's thought out and done correctly. So I think that's I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of that because, you know, it, it is like a lot of our peers and our friends who who listen to this episode for the knowledge. Yeah, the fans of each week's guests listen for the entertainment aspect, but we also try to offer that side to the show. So thanks for being super oh, candid absolutely. about that, man. Yeah, no doubt, brother. You know, any way I can help with that is, is great, you know, and and I think it is important to, to formulate a plan, man, because, you know, you don't want to slack in that department because your whole career is about forming a plan and executing it, you know, so if you're not going to to feel that way about making a big move, like, how are you going to really apply that to your career, you know, so it, it really is a mental uh, um, discipline you know, about like executing everything you do, like efficiently, you know, you don't want to waste your time, you know, ever. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Now we, we just mentioned a couple classic rock, you know, icons that kind of just took the plunge or whatever, but, and I've seen, you know, not enough, but I've seen enough, uh, music docs of, you know, act like bands and artists that they, you show, you see what they go through, you see the struggles, all that stuff, but there's only one I can think of for, you know, live musicians and it's called hired gun and they really only talk about a few specific ones. What's like some stuff that, you know, hired guns go through that maybe no one really knows about, you know, like you see like artists having these struggles, like they get to the venue and like, some like something wasn't set up or they aren't getting paid tonight or something. And that's their problem. But like, what's the other side of that? What happens to their band? Like, do you have any, I guess maybe I'm asking, do you have any like crazy stories of something like that, that maybe we wouldn't know about from live musicianship? Yeah, or just like maybe just like general day to day frustrations of sort of being someone who helps bring someone's vision to life rather than being a part of your own vision. Yeah, you're in the band, but you're not in the band. Like, what is that like? Yeah, um, I mean, I can only speak from my personal experience. And, you know, doing that kind of thing is a choice for me. You know, like I choose to back an artist, I choose to, um, you know, have that be my circumstance you know what i mean like um i haven't really been in a situation where i've had to like you know fight for my pay or fight for you know the proper equipment i need whatever it is any of those little problems that can arise on a gig um you know of course not everyone's perfect but um you know i think i've been kind of fortunate in that aspect um you know, everyone feels differently. I mean, maybe some people get lumped into the hired gun thing because they can't get uh, their personal project off the ground. Or maybe, you know, it, the hired gun thing is, is a good source of income for them while they work on their own uh, passion projects. Um, so, you know, this whole business in is about perspective, man. You know, it's all about what you make of it. Um, if you're going to be a backing uh, musician for a bigger artist, like you go in that with the intention, like, hey, you know, I'm not the star of the show. You know, you go in there, you do your part. It's a job. You get paid for it. You know, you move on. Um, I'd say that the only thing you could that may be unsettling with that kind of work is that there's no guarantee. You know, you could be on a tour today, gone tomorrow type of thing. And in some cases, you know, you may not be owed an explanation, you know. So, you know, that aspect of it, you know, can be, you know, worrisome considering most of these guys, you know, maybe don't have another side gig or don't have, a, you know, a passion project going on at the moment. Um, and, you know. A lot of musicians don't, you know, this, this business doesn't come with a health plan or a 401k, you know, so unless you have something else, you know, reinforcing your income or, you know, stuff like that, you know, it can be unsettling in that nature. But, you know, it is, it's all about perspective, man. You know, you, you either feel bad because you're not the star and you're just the dude in the background playing for this artist, or you can look at it like, Hey, I get to play music for a living. I'm making decent money. Um, and I get to travel the world, you know, so it is what you make of it. So that's where the reward comes for you then just being able to be a part of something that is reaching people and audience and sort of fulfilling like what you want to do, your passion, which is playing drums. Am I correct in, in saying that? Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, I think anytime I'm able to play on a stage, um, 
of any size, you know, it, it's a blessing. You know, I what I do in my own time is my passion projects, you know, playing with friends or, you know, playing in uh, local L.A. bands and playing the circuit here. So, you know, it it's 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 about perspective and balance. You, you got to look at it in a positive light. And, you know, you have to balance that with, you know, what makes um, you happy aside from just performing. And for some people, performing with an artist is enough. Some people like to do that for the income and then also pursue their their personal uh, tastes and, and projects, uh, you know, that they want to do as well. So, yeah, you know, I'm just happy to do it, man. Totally. And and so I want to jump back a little bit just to get this, this, uh, this sort of juxtaposition here. Earlier in the conversation, you said that you had a singer, you guys were signed, and he moved back to South Carolina, then you moved to LA. So at one point in time, your main thought process was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that your main thought process was, I want to be a part of something. So you guys, can you tell us a bit about that? You said you were signed, you had, you had a band, you know, like, did that, did that sort of like project not going the way you want sort of change your thought process into being like, okay, well now I want to perform and help someone get their vision off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that band, A Thousand Shades of Cold, was a band I was in for over a decade. And that was like, that was my thing. You know, I was in a band with my friends. Like, you know, we were, we were making records. We were, you know, playing and, and touring. So, um, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation, like, yeah, I was a part of that permanent thing. Like, that was my baby. Um, so I definitely have a lot of experience that way. Um, we, we had a couple different record deals. One was with Amherst records and the other one was with a label called Spectra records. Um, and Amherst, we, we left Amherst on great terms. It wasn't really any bad blood with that situation. It was just, you know, some personal things happened with the guy who, you know, was, you know, financially backing the band and who owned the label, you know, so that relationship was beautiful and it ended well. Um, Spectra Records won, not so much. Um, but at that point, we had been together for so many years and, and just, you know, trying so hard um, to be great at what we did. And we were, you know, great band in my eyes. Um, I think we just became frustrated after, you know, fighting our way out of that contract and, and we had invested so much time and work in what we were doing. Um, but, you know, the band never, you know, broke up, you know, it's just like, okay, after doing this for X amount of years, like we just needed a break because we were so committed and, and just always doing it um, that it got kind of mentally draining. So um, my singer moved down to North Carolina. I moved to LA and that was, you know, kind of it. We recorded um, music together after that. There's still talks of doing new stuff. We've done reunion shows. So that band for me is is always going to be like my heart and soul, like what molded me to be the musician I am today. Um, it definitely wasn't a defining point that made me say, okay, I need to help somebody else with their vision. Um, I think for me doing the, the session stuff and the hired gun stuff kind of just fell naturally because I know how much work it takes to really push a band and, or an artist. And for me, I kind of wanted to step out from the reins of doing that. You know, I just kind of want to have fun playing, you know, get to tour without all that other, you know, mental stress, <laughs> you know, which I endured for a long time, you know, in a loving way because it's my passion. But, you know, I think here I just kind of like, you know, I like the, the differentiating aspect of playing with a pop group or a funk R&B group or a metal band, you know, whatever it is. So I think that's why I like doing the hired gun thing nowadays. Yeah, man. You know, I feel like I would pro if, if I wasn't a singer, cause me and Andrew were both in the same band. And if I wasn't a singer, and maybe I'm okay with like the uh, the ups and downs of it all, but it does get defeating after a while. And that being your passion project, it I feel like it could be nice. Like you, it's what you what you're describing sort of sounds like a paradise island that you've discovered <laughs> because it, there are days where you you can plan and you can plan, but it just will not go right. And it's like, well, I'm not just you know being paid to be a part of this band. This is what I'm giving up getting money to build and grow so you know in a sense it seems like you kind of figured it out man it's kind of yeah it's like it's like <laughs> you can have your cake I, and eat it too you know i'm trying man you know i'm still learning every day um 
you know, I'm always still looking for new opportunities and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm finally at a place where I feel comfortable um, with where my career is headed, you know, so, you know, we're, we're like I said, dude, we're, we're learning every day about something new. And um, I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers, but I know what I want out of my career. I know what it takes to achieve those things. And, uh, you know, I'm just more than willing to put in the work to make it happen, you know, so anybody could do it really you just have to be totally invested into it and that's all it is right yeah you, if you if you don't give it 100 and let's say like 50 percent, you know like just it's it's not gonna happen it's even the smallest step to take the smallest step forward as we all know um it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice and absolutely and the more people that you work with that are a part of the project, that's the more opinions, which sometimes can be a beautiful thing, but other times it could, you know, one person's vote could, could sway the decision that could have helped you into the wrong. And it's just, it's insane. So it's, yeah. And this is one of those industries where even if something is in writing or you like everybody, you know, five minutes ago was like, yeah, we're all on board. Even if everyone's, it's like, nothing is a sure thing either. Like something could fall through or everybody, all the pieces could be right. And then it just, doesn't work because of one thing or another you know like you know like this is a weird example i guess but that song blue by eiffel uh 65 i think that massive yeah, huge yeah. success when they first played it in a club like nobody liked it and it emptied the dance floor and they were like well i i don't know what to do with this song and then all of a sudden like like a year later or something someone hit him up and like yo people love your song and it's like so they thought they had it and then they didn't and then they did so it's like even when everything is perfect and then it does work out it doesn't and sometimes even if it doesn't it does and you just have no idea and everything is a gamble yeah and it's it's so unpredictable so it kind of seems like you've taken some of that stress and you've, you've taken some of the guessing out yeah yeah in a way by being a hired gunner yeah that you know to an extent yeah that that's that's part of it um you never know what to expect either way so um there is always a guessing game involved you know to an extent but uh you know removing yourself from the permanent structure allows you to really assess the situation that you're walking into. Um, so, you know, I don't know, man, like, I guess you can pick and choose a little bit more, you know, uh, in that realm. Um, so I know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I dig it. You know, it's, it's been fun so far. Yeah. And I guess you can sort of, you have the ability to do some, some research before you, you know, attach your anchor to, to uh, sometimes maybe a sinking ship, you know, because you, you, you can observe from the outside, well, what has this guy been doing? How's this project been going? And, and you can sort of get a gauge if it seems like someone has their, their, uh, you know, their, their thoughts together and, and who doesn't. So, yeah, I feel like as a hired gun, it's almost like you, I mean, this is definitely oversimplifying it, but it's kind of like you have nothing to lose. Like, they're the artist, so it's like if they do well, then you're going to do well if they keep you around because they're doing well, so you get the opportunity. And if they don't do well, then the worst thing that happens is I guess you don't get paid, but then it's not like, you know, people know that it's not your failure, so to speak. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, in a sense, that's exactly, you know, what it is. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, yeah, you're not the face, so it definitely... Uh, kind of relieves you of that that pressure so but then i guess on the other hand i don't know if this is something that you struggle with but i can imagine it'd be something that i would inevitably struggle with you know like if you're with a project definitely for after like a certain amount of time like you said you've been playing with um the synth pop wave group for uh, a while the bad, the bad dreamers. dreamers that's right the bad dreamers you said you've been playing with them for a while so i feel like it would get to a point where you know the band is doing well you're always there but then you're not in any of the pictures and like maybe no one knows who you are or something and i feel like I don't I'm not I don't know if this is hap if this happens to you but I think that if I was in that position then I would start to be like eh, well you know I'm here too like no one wants to talk to me I don't know what's going on you know yeah. do you, do you ever have like thoughts like that or anything like that Well the thing with a group like the Bad Dreamers is that um you know it, it, my buddy Dave shout out to my buddy Dave um Dave is a one man dude like he produces all that music he writes it he does all the the drum programming all the live instrumentation on guitar so that's very much his project so when he asked me to to be a live drummer for it i i said yes without hesitation um but i i went into that knowing that like this is not about me like 
this is going to be fun and I'm going to enjoy it, but it's not about me. So I don't ever feel weird about not being in pictures or labeled as a member because I technically I'm not, you know, like the bad dreamers is Dave Schuler. Um, and not every show is a live band show. Some of them, um, are just him, you know, doing his thing. So, you know, you, you kind of go into a situation knowing what to expect. So, you know, although live dream or bad dreamers does have a live band, you know, it's not going to be every, every show that we're, we're going to be there backing him. So, um, you know, it's kind of a non-call thing, you know? Yeah. I guess it's kind of, you have to, you have to know what you're getting into and you have to be in the right mindset because you you would pretty much set yourself up for failure doing that. Oh, absolutely, man. Exactly. You, you should always do research and, and be well um, educated on the situation you're getting yourself into. Now, you know, there's always things that pop up, you know, situations arise, you know, whatever. But, you know, as long as you go in there understanding as much as you can about what it is you're getting into, you're going to be all right. You know, everything else from there, you know, you deal with it as it comes. Totally. And, and so while we're talking about the bad dreamers and sort of in this realm of the conversation, I think, you know, they're, they're sort of on the rise right now. Um, before you reached out to us, I actually had, they've been coming up. I've listened to a band called the midnight quite often. And then Spotify has been showing me, you know, sure. songs from, from other artists that Spotify does. And the bad dreamers were, were one that like, I felt stood out a little bit from the rest of the, the synthwave movement. So like sort of, and it seems like they're, they're garnering some popularity, you know, touring with like FM 84 and whatnot. So, so how has that, how has that been? And has that been, did you sort of like, when did you get on board to be a part of that? And, and how's the process been like, cause the synthwave movement is relatively new, you know? It's, and I feel <laughs> like it's growing pretty quickly. Yeah. So, so how's it been? Like, I feel like you're sort of in something that like hasn't even solidified itself yet. Yeah, man. Um, you know, going back to what I, what I mentioned, like, um, this is Dave's passion project. Um, and if I remember correctly, he, um, he also does like short films by the way. So that's kind of what inspired him to make music. Um, you'll have to link me to those. the bad dreamers. Yeah. He, he did a short film called the offer. He needed music for it. He got inspired to write that genre of music and, um, you know, he wanted to legitimize it. So he called it the bad dreamers. He released music online and, you know, next thing you know, it just started gaining traction and he's like, wow, well, I guess I'm onto something here. And he just stuck with it And the bad dreamers has, you know, come to be what it is now. Um, but he's, you know, Dave's Dave and I are both from the same hometown and both have relocated to LA. So Dave's always been a super talented dude. You know, he comes from the rock background as well. Um, and he's also an accomplished, uh, songwriter producer, you know, he's written for some big artists as well. Um, so his talent is just out of this world, super, super nice guy. Um, and you know, it's no surprise to me that the bad dreamers is doing well because, you know, he put a lot of time into that project, man. And, uh, you know, he's just got a natural ability to, to write catchy music, you know? Yeah, and, and another thing I've noticed is he sort of seems to be the only one really in that band. I mean, I know the Midnight goes out on tour with the band, but they don't have a drum kit. And FM84 right. and, and Time Cop, I guess some of the other big artists in that genre, you know, they're just DJs. So I feel exactly. like I feel like his approach, and especially having you on the drums, you know, like I think that's got to be a reason for such such quick growth. Yeah, it's great, man. You know, I wish we we're able to do the live band thing a little more, but, you know, touring with, with groups like FM 84, the way the stage is set up and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to, to fit, um, a full band because, you know, bad dreamers, when it's the full band, it's, it's me on drums. You know, we got a bass player, we got a keyboard player, you know, Dave plays uh, live guitar and sings. So, you know, it is a little bit tiny bit heavier live than it is on record, but, um, yeah, it's it's a cool vibe, man. It brings it really brings the songs to life, you know, hearing it played out by a full band. So it's very cool. No, 100 percent. Now, you know, I think that, you know, meeting someone like Dave, who obviously has had a lot of credits to his name before the Bad Dreamers, I think that just goes to show your back to the earlier point in the conversation. You know, you put an emphasis on networking and especially social media branding. I mean, that's how we linked up. You sent us a message. Sure. It was very professional. 
It's so it seems like you do your research. Now, was this something that as a hired gun you took into consideration or is this just sort of how you always have been realizing that social media is a tool? Um, I think it really has to do a lot with just the experience I've had in the business um, to this point. Um, understanding the importance of being professional, being respectful, and um, not wanting to burn any bridges. So I think when you approach anything in the business, whether it be reaching out for an interview, um, talking to different companies about uh, endorsement deals, whatever it is, booking a gig, you have to be professional because not only is it the right thing to do, but you want people to respect you as a professional so um, you kind of have to put out what you expect to see in return. So, No, 100%. And I guess, I mean, I think that your social media is your personal brand, you know? I 100%. Think, I 100%. Think, yeah, exactly. And I think you have a very nice, likable personal brand. And, and so has your social media presence led to these opportunities? Or, or has that been sort of like the grassroots networking that has gotten you in into the Bad Dreamers and all of these other bands that you have on your, your resume? Um, honestly, it's been a lot of grassroots tactics as far as going out and, and meeting people face to face. Um, you know, like I said, with the bad dreamers, I've known Dave for over a decade. You know, we come from the same hometown. We knew each other back in our hometown when we were playing in different bands. Um, so for the, for that particular, um, group, it was more of like a, Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the bad dreamers thing. I would love you to play drums for it. And it was a done deal. Like, you know, he's my friend, you know, he sent me some, uh, the demos he was working on. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and a lot of the other groups that I've been with is, have been word of mouth, whether they're friends of mine, or I think there's only one gig, which is the, um, mink slide. It's like an R and B group I play with from time to time. That one I found on Craigslist. Um, it was just an ad needing a drummer for a music video shoot a live performance music video shoot. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, it's LA. I need a couple hundred bucks. You know, seems like a cool thing. Song's okay. You know, it's pretty good. Um, so I did that. And, um, you know, you never know what you're going to get into when you do stuff like that, especially on Craigslist. But, you know, that opportunity ended up leading to me um, recording some drum stuff for his album, you know, at NRG Studios in North Hollywood, which is a legendary studio. Um, and it led me to, to being his live drummer as well. And it's, it's definitely a cool, fun gig and a well-paying gig. Um, so you, you, you just can't count anything out, man. You just have to be open to everything and, you know, watch your back, you know, and just make sure you're, like I said before, just well-educated on what it is you're getting yourself into, you know, whatever resources are out there that can help you with a gig or an artist, you know, just make sure you know it, you know, know all about it. Yeah. I hope that this podcast can be something like that for people that are just like, Oh, I don't know anything about the industry. Maybe, maybe this podcast gives me a little, a uh, little first step, uh, advice. Yeah. I was just thinking like, I was going to say, you know, we're, we're not quite there to wrap it up yet, but I was going to say, you know, thanks for really, I did not expect you to pull the curtain back this much for us, but I mean, I've learned a lot already, man. I mean, I guess my next question is like, what else do you do? Cause it seems like you're so busy, you know, like, what do you do? What does Juan just like to do when he's not being a drummer? How do you relax and sort of get away from it all? Cause I don't know how yeah, you manage it. I wanted, this, I wanted to ask that well, too, but more specifically, <laughs> how do you stay not stressed out on tour and stuff? But yeah, just all the time. How do you um, do it? I, well, you know, the music industry is, is, you know, you could be very busy for X amount of time and then you could be not busy for X amount of time. So like for me personally, like, um, as busy as I am with music, I still have a job, you know, I still work uh, a job and it's in music. Um, so I don't ever really have that feeling of like, Oh man, I got to go to work. Like I just want to play drums full time all the time. Like I work um, at a backline company in, in uh, Burbank, California, and they're super cool, man. Like I've, I've, I've worked hard over there and it's to the point where it's like, Oh, I got a gig or I'm going on tour. It's not an issue. So that's that secondary income you know, that I have, um, coming in when, you know, music may not be so busy at the particular time, but, um, I just, uh, uh, came off of a, uh, nationwide tour back in, uh, it was from February to March. We were out with a metal band called, uh, Mushroomhead and, uh, Ventana and, uh, 
how's the poppin um so i was playing drums for a band called worldwide panic in la and i'm still working with them uh working on some new music um more tour uh plans uh for the near future um so you know i just i try to just stay busy and active as much as i can if you know if there's not a lot of gigging happening happening at a particular time you know i'll spend that time you know reaching out to different companies that maybe you know want to uh work with me or uh different artists who maybe need a drummer for a show or you know if there's any studio sessions going on um, but I also play drums for my roommate's band called The Lipsticks, which is a rock band. Um, and, you know, like we just recorded our second EP in like four months. Um, we're going to be performing tomorrow, which by the time you hear this will will be like two or three days ago. But, um, yeah, we are going to be performing at the Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood. Um, it's going to be fun, man. So, you know, I just always try to utilize my spare time doing something that's going to help me, whether it's building my brand, um, you know, aesthetically on social media, or if it's going, you know, into the practice room and working on my chops, you know, whatever it is, man, just something that's going to keep me being proactive and, and getting better, you know? Right. And I'm sure a big part of building your brand is, you know, finding sponsorships and stuff that want to sponsor you and stuff. And as, you know, an upcoming musician, uh, like Chris and I are. I mean, I guess it's a little different for us. We're a band and not trying to be solo artists or whatever. But how, you know, how do you, do you just wait for the sponsorship to reach out? Was there a way that you reached out to your first sponsor? Or, you know, what are some of the sponsorships you have? And if you can, how did you get in contact with some of them? Sure. Um. Well, right now, um, it's pretty minimal. I work with, um, I'm endorsed by a company called Me Audio which I uh, use for my in-ears. Um, I work with a company called Big Fat Snare Drum and also with uh, TRX Cymbals. And um, I got a couple more kind of, you know, floating around in the works, you know. Hopefully we can uh, work out a deal soon. But, uh, you know, just with my experience and my resume, you know, I just reached out to these companies and I was like, hey, this is who I am. Here's my press kit. This is what I've done. Um, this is what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, nine times out of 10, a company will reach back and say yes or no. Like, Hey, we'd love to work with you. Or, you know, maybe they're not, you're not what they're looking for at the time. You know, you never know. But, um, most of those companies have submission forms. Um, so you can go about it that way. Or if you're at a level where, you know, you are like so worth, you know, a lot to be with a company. I don't know. They may reach out to you as well. So, you know, it can go both ways, man. 100% dude. And I think we could keep talking to you about this for hours because to be honest with you, you've just opened, opened my eyes up. I can at least say to just a whole nother level of the hustle. And I think, I think the, if we titled our episodes with like little funny, like catchphrases, I think it would sort of be like, it seems like you don't take no for an answer, but in the most polite way. And I think that's that's a very beautiful thing because obviously look at how far you've come. Yeah, and even on top of that, it's not even just that you don't take no, it's you know what you're talking about. So it's not even like you just hit them up and you're like, hey, I would love to, like whatever it is, I'm down. Like, you know, you invest time before you even have to invest time in the project, which is something that, I should have thought about <laughs> as a drummer, but I never really thought about. And I'm sure that people listening had similar epiphanies as me. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, man. You know, it, it's all about growth. You know, the more the more you spend time doing something, the more things start falling into place, you know, and, and that's really all it is. You know, I'm really no different than anybody else, you know, doing it or coming up, you know, in, in the industry. I just have been doing it long enough and have learned a lot and actually allowed myself to be receptive to that knowledge. So um, it's just all about uh, retaining it and applying it. Man. Yeah. And I think with that being said, how, how can we help you grow? Where can the listeners find your social media? Where can they find some of the projects that you've been working on? And what song would you like to leave people with? You know, is there a particular performance that you just you love so much that you'd you'd want us to play here at the end of the episode for everyone to hear your drumming? Um. Well, considering I didn't play on the Bad Dreamers records, that's all uh, Dave's creation. Um, but but not to take away from that, uh, I think you should play um, uh, New York Minute by the Bad Dreamers. That's the newest single. 
um, that he has released. Um, and uh, I'll send you guys over maybe something from the Lipsticks as well. Um, that's all live drums in the studio, um, which is really cool and really fun project I'm happy to be a part of. So Yeah, yeah, we'd love that. And uh, I guess your, your social media handles, just so people can, can follow you and keep up to date with all that you do. Sure, yeah. Um, Facebook.com slash Drums. Instagram at Drums. Um, Twitter, I, did I change? Is that, I is that the letter J or is that spelled um, out? J-A-Y, J-A-Y. Cali drums. Yeah. Um, that's the easiest way to connect with me. I'm mostly on my Instagram. I feel like that's the platform that allows me to do what I want to do. Um, the easiest, you know, Facebook, I post on there, but it's more of like a family and friends, you know, connection type of thing. Right. Keep up to date. So yeah, if you want to follow me, the best place to do it is on Instagram. Sounds good. And we'll leave you guys with the tune. This is New York Minute by the Bad Dreamers. Thanks, man. Thank you. When the wheels left the 